you've been looking for a podcast to help you transform your physical and mental one that'll shoot you straight between the eyes with truth and no bs helping you have the right mindset to accomplish things the iron will and fortitude to follow through with what you say you're going to do no excuses Mark owns martial arts schools, and after 30 years, he has some real insight for real talk, real life, real conversations, motivational, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, live from the Great 1-8. This is Real Talk with Mark Cox. Right, pretty fancy, right? I love it. Is it the uh, this this platform is makes things so much easier for me. Good morning, good morning, everybody. This is Mark on Beyond the Mat. We got an awesome guest today. I'm going to introduce AC to everybody here. This is our first time kind of getting to meet, so just got to chat a little bit on the phone once, and I think you were at Walmart when we chatted last time. Uh, family actually yes i was <laughs> <laughs> so we we got to chat a little bit on the phone looking forward to this uh time of this warrior let me give you a little bit of background on him and we'll get started okay ac loves learning new things understanding things better sharing stories on paper he's a retired 22 plus year lieutenant colonel in the u.s army former my poor eyes former scout <laughs> helicopter pilot phd martial artist ordained minister amateur magician and a lifer in traditional motorcycle club. But in reality, he's just a scared lobster that kept, that kept going. He says that he's a product of many other travelers and their journeys. The, the lobster thing, <laughs> you know you're gonna have to explain that before we even get going, what I, that is. I had absolutely no doubt whatsoever. So uh, I wrote a book called Lobster's Guide to Herding Penguins. And uh, in that, I talk about a bunch of things. And one of them is a metaphor that I learned a while ago that talks about it's people that are in transition. Um, I like eating seafood. I like lobster when I can afford it. Uh, but it turns out that that shell that they're in doesn't grow with them. If they want to get bigger, they have to shed the exoskeleton that they've got. Now, they're still alive underneath all that, all that you know, meat and everything. But... Without that shell, they're very, very, uh, they're in danger. Uh, it's, if they had emotions, I'd imagine it would be scary. And, but it's a painful process and it's a dangerous process. But they've got to get rid of their old stuff to become the new stuff that they want to be. And whenever we're in a transition at any point in time, there's going to be that point that you need to shed your old in order to step into the new that you're going to be. And it's painful and it's scary and it's absolutely necessary. So uh, my pronoun is lobster. <laughs> and there's nothing that can be said about that, correct? <laughs> well, it, it, absolutely everything can be said about that. And I'll be glad to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Super, super good. Well, let's talk about your... <clears throat> Interested in, I looked through your, your martial arts stuff. How long have you been doing martial arts? Been doing um, that since a kid or? I started on the first Tuesday of March, 1994. Uh, that's, that's when I first walked into a karate school, but 
been I've loved it since I was six. Uh, I can't remember if it was a Chuck Norris movie or, or or something, but it was just it captured my attention from from that age. I nine years of trying to find magazines, books, you know, watching it on TV, watching whatever. And then finally absorbing that before I was able to talk my parents into letting me start a class uh, and then never looked back since. So were you how young were you when you started? So you, um, you enjoyed it at six is what you wanted to do. When did you actually get class? How old were you? I I was able to actually sign up. I think I was either 14 or 15. I think if I did the math, it's going to be 15. Uh, it, interesting age. That's a really interesting age for today's martial artists is because getting getting high schoolers to come in is a, is a rough gig. You know what I mean? Yeah. Get them to come in and be a part of uh, martial arts at, at 15. Even teaching them on, on, on school thing is, is, is a nightmare. It's a fantastic age, though. At least it was for me because I still had about seven to 10 years for my executive functions to be forming and right. made it had enough passion for it. And the, it took long enough to get the black belt that it just built part of my identity as opposed to it was just a thing I did on Tuesdays and Thursdays. It's it's so in your bio. It, did I read correctly that you had foster parents? Is that correct? Uh, I had parents that were foster parents. Uh, turns out my, my mom was one of seven or 12 or 50, had a big family. I, I believe it was yeah, one mm -hmm. of seven. And when she got married to my dad, they lived in a small trailer, ended up moving to a farmhouse with lots of rooms. And my mom th felt that those rooms would be going to waste. So Gotcha. She wanted to start getting into foster care and help some folks that didn't have houses and didn't have homes. And therefore, they became foster kids. Uh, they became foster parents. It was my so brother. You had a lot of you had a lot of kids that your parents got to be, have a part in growing up is what you was what what that I, I must have missed. I'm sorry for misspeaking on oh, no, that. But no, I, now I understand. It. Totally understood. I to that's the common uh, common understanding. I grew up in a foster home. It just so happened that the parents there were my parents. Uh, but I, I had the opportunity to be uh, to have brothers and sisters now that are all over the all over the world. And uh, and they still still love uh, my mother passed away a couple of years ago. But uh, uh, recently, my father was down visiting us. And, yeah, I posted a picture of him visiting and my Facebook feed just blew up from uh, folks that I've connected to, uh, connected with again. Like, hey, tell him I said this. Hey, we uh, so influential, so important in my life. And and my parents were superheroes like that. And I'm, I'm very proud of them. And I'm happy I had that opportunity to live there. That's such a good story. Such such a good story helping. my In my family, uh, my sister uh, d did foster care and did adopted. Uh, adoption and then they found her sister who actually lived in savannah georgia and adopted her so they those sisters are together again i have my nephew my so my sister's sons they also adopted and and from foster care so i've seen it i've seen it come you hear the you hear the worst of the stories you never hardly hear the best of stories from foster care i can tell you that so and if there's there's some people that do it for the for the wrong I don't know how many. I don't know the percentage. I pray that it's a small percentage, but we wouldn't hear horror stories if it weren't the case. 
Um, but there's people out there that have a lot of love to give and realize that it's, uh, it's an opportunity. So that's, I'm thankful for every parent out there that's doing that. And I have nothing but love for every kid who is in the system and every adult who's come out of the system. Uh, so it's just warm place. So if you, so obviously mom and dad put you in martial arts at 15. So you started in 94. So I had got my first black belt in 1987. Hmm. So that's where, and I, and I came, my background is from the Chuck Norris system. So, you know, Pat Johnson and, and Chuck Norris were my instructors, teachers at the time. Matter of fact, my instructor, Dennis Ichikawa was the manager for Chuck Norris's schools here in California. Ah. And so there's my lineage of where, you know, where I come from. And then I, you know, and I've, same with me. Now I was a little bit older than you. So I was in 20, I think when I started 2021, when I started, I wish I started a little bit younger and had, had that mentorship in, in martial arts, but unfortunately that didn't happen, but I have it, but I have it now. And I still, you know, I have it now. And my son is now kind of stepping up to the, to the plate here for, you know, taking over this school. Nice. What, what was your art? Now let's talk about what your art was. What, cause I see that you, you know, you, it looks like, is it, is it a Kempo background that you're doing? Um, so the, I've transitioned to that. What I started with was a, uh, I'll call it a semi-traditional combination of Goju-Ru and Shotokan. Uh, that's, that's pretty common back in those years. Uh, my, my instructor, Fred Vincent, um, he learned from, a retired, uh, retired Green Beret who learned from a whole bunch of different systems, taught him some, uh, taught him his art. And Fred brought to the dojo decades of wrestling experience, both uh, as a competitor and as a, uh, as a coach. So every Thursday was ground and pound before mm -hmm. UFC was big. Uh, so you had to know what you're doing on the ground. And it was 100%. That's what you did. Uh, we yeah we learned our goju katas, learned our shotokan katas, learned uh, aikijutsu, learned. We sparred, we fought every night, uh, and so there's some amazing fighters that came out of there. I don't none of them famous, but none of them in at least the Pennsylvania Ohio area that you don't want to yeah, do you want to get in the way of. You'd rather buy them a beer. I still do. Um, and then understood. Through my military career, I had the opportunity to go to various places and train different schools, pick up different arts. And along the way, found uh, Chinese Kenpo through the International Karate Connection Association. And uh, they're the first ones to really commercialize effectively a distance learning program. I didn't believe it in it at first, uh, but I signed, signed up for it to give it a try to prove that it you know, wasn't going to work. Turns out I was wrong. Uh, and I've since... I've now trained with that system since probably 2000s, uh, early 2000s. I was found it when I was in A-Rock the first time. Um, and I've had the opportunity to train in seminars, train in schools, train in very, all these places, uh, in-person video, Zoom, everything. I've been promoted through the system, through every method that we recognize and off, uh, work through. And now I'm one of the uh, certified video instructors for that same system. Um, I've I've taken it places, and it is Kenpo. I'm just just I'm proud of it. 
Yeah, it's well, you know, Kemba was something I looked at when I first started. I started because of my brother. My brother went in. I'm a little older than my bro, and he uh, went in because he was getting ready for high school, and so he was a little bit nervous, and he wanted to do martial arts training. And he came home one time, and I just kind of – he said, hey, we worked on bear hugs, and I, I think I get out of your bear hug. And I'm, I just lifted him up, and, man, he smashed my nose with his back of his head, and I'm like, well, that's – just not going to be happening so we're gonna i'm gonna sign up on that same deal so that's what i did and so my brother and i did this and then I, my first thing was ishinru that was my very first thing i got looked at and it was it was a short stint but i've always been intrigued by kempo i've always liked kempo and it has a it has a rich history here in the states too I like those traditional martial artists. You don't, you don't, you don't see much of it as much anymore. You know, my school still does Tongsudo. You know, I have Krav Maga now, and I, you know, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and I, you know, because if you don't have all that kind of stuff, you're not having a well-rounded. You're not right. doing your your students a, a justice. You know, you know what that what yeah. that can be. If they can't, if they can't get on the ground, they're 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 just not going to be able to defend themselves in this in this world. So, we've we've adapted and overcame that way. So you taken now now before you taken your martial artist now as young and so you went into the service now at how old how old out of high school or what did uh, you do with your service? So I I went I left high school and went straight to college uh, and joined ROTC as a and I quote long haired hippie communist looking freak. Uh, that is a quote from now retired lieutenant colonel uh, best friend of mine from college. Uh, my grandfather, who was, uh, he enlisted prior to World War II and then uh, came back from World War II as a, uh, as an officer, he had passed away right before I went to college. So I figured, you know what, let me check this out. And it didn't hurt that I had just watched my brother graduate from naval basic training and somebody whom I had not previously had the opportunity to see do, you know, amazing things, uh, I got to see a completely different man walk across, uh, walk across the graduation field mm. uh, at Great Lakes up in uh, Michigan and Michigan, Illinois, uh, Great Lakes, Illinois. And I figured, hmm, maybe that helped him. It could help me and honor Grandpa Wiley. Uh, took the ROTC class and I'm like, hey, I could I could do this for a living. I could lead soldiers when I get out of the uh, get out of college right up the bat. And within about 30 seconds of that thought, I heard Fred Vincent, my instructor, in the back of my head saying, how are you going to do something that you haven't done yet? And I'm like, hmm, if I'm going to lead soldiers, I guess I got to go become one first. So I walked my butt down to the recruiter and Dr. Sergeant Charles States told him, hey, this is what I need to do. At the same time, I signed up for an ROTC scholarship because if, uh, if you wanted to be an officer, you could either get a scholarship go to basic training or uh, go to their basic camp. Uh, if you went to basic training, you were prior service. So you got a little bit extra credit for things like that. Well, I signed up for the scholarship as well. About a week before I left for basic training, I get a call from our uh, secretary. She's like, hey, Chris, uh, congratulations. You've just gotten your scholarship. I will call your unit next and I will have you, uh, I'll have them discharge you so we can get you into ROTC. And I was like, that's nice. If I didn't catch this call and happened to leave, would would I still have that scholarship? Oh, yeah. Then I, I stopped her and I said, call me in September. 
I was not going to go become a leader of people that I hadn't already been. I wasn't going to lead soldiers without being one. So uh, I went to basic training that summer, AIT, learned how to be a truck driver, and then then came back, got out, did ROTC, and then graduate, uh, when I graduated college, was commissioned as an aviation officer, and uh, went to learn how to fly helicopters and go do some cool stuff like that. It's awesome because, you know, as a kid, you know that I've always wanted to fly a helicopter. That was one of those things that I never, I always wanted to do and never did it. I always dug police helicopters. I got to go in one one time, you know, when I was with the police department. I got to get in the helicopter and I'm like, man, this is pretty awesome. I have, so, to, ask, I have to ask then, Airwolf or Blue Thunder? <laughs> that's that's fun now listen when you start saying blue thunder you are really talking about some age now right and so you know i'm people people here probably my younger people are probably like what's blue thunder so or or tc from uh magnum pi yes that's correct <laughs> that is correct that Blue Thunder, I haven't seen that for a long time. I might have to pull that out of the 80s closet. I don't, I don't think anybody has. <laughs> so, I might have to pull that out. Yes, a helicopter was something I just always always dug, always liked, and I thought it was such a cool thing to 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 see. So did you did when you went and decided to do that, is that what you did when you were deployed? Is yes, flying uh, helicopters well, what you did? The first trip, I was a Aero Scout platoon leader, flew helicopters uh, in in Mosul. I had honestly gotten there after the majority of the conflict. Uh, they had reached kind of stable, semi-stable operations. Uh, they had just gotten up to Mosul. I was with 101st. And yeah, everybody everybody thought they were going home once they got done up there. And that was when I showed up. And then we had a general uh, come by and go, hey, congratulations. We're going to be staying for a full year. And yeah, I'm like, I just got here. And everybody else is like, expletive 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 yeah that you it was just a bad news for them but as uh, as befitting professionals uh, like them folk they sucked it up they complained for uh, a day and then moved on and made some awesome things happen uh our the remainder of our time while i was there that trip was doing reconnaissance and security patrols to ensure that the convoys going from kayara west up to Mosul were safe so that we were flying over the shoulders. And when people were doing missions in Mosul, we were uh, there providing that coverage because turns out when there's an armed loud angel you know, flying above, less people want to shoot at you. So we provided that. And uh, we, we gave overwatch to our guys on the ground. And that was a privilege to be able to do that. I, I, I love doing that. Second what trip. Did you, I, what did you fly there? Uh, fly, flew the OH-58 Delta Kiowa Warrior. Uh, one of the smaller airframes that we have, a two-seater, uh, kind of heavy in the back, had a big ball on top, uh, and it had the absolute best computers and communication equipment that 1963 had to offer. <laughs> yeah, that speaks volumes. Yeah. So, so. We did amazing things with them. Did amazing things. Did you now? Do you still fly now? I do not. Uh, a couple of you, about 12, 13 years ago now, on my uh, third trip to Iraq, I developed 
what's called a culture negative bacterial mitral valve endocarditis, which is a really fancy way for saying I got yeah, some bacterial infection that they couldn't reproduce in a lab um, that went up my, it got on my heart, went up into my brain, down my leg, into a couple of different places, uh, almost died. Spoiler alert, I didn't. Um, but that resulted in a, uh, in several other medical complications that I was not going to be able to fly ever again. I'm lucky Delta lets me sit in as a passenger. Um, and that of course changed a lot of how I teach martial arts and, you know, train as well. Uh, cause I, if I, if I'm going to be sparring with somebody, it's got to be somebody that I'm trusting that I know is not going to do some things that, well, there, there's some stuff that I can't let somebody do anymore. Otherwise, you know, my wife gets a million dollars in life insurance. So you're still, so this, so this, you still have a medical issue on that. Now, were you in service when this went down? Yes. I was in service when this went down. Um, I had actually just prior to leaving that time decided to swap from aviation to uh, a thing called information operations. Um, as hard as it is to believe, I opted to leave the aviation field because as much fun as it was and as, uh, as big of an impact as it was making, if I'm being perfectly honest, I was a mediocre pilot. I was safe. I was okay. I was good. Not good. I was safe. And while a lot of the guys that I was leading and working with were good pilots, we all needed a certain amount of hours you know, a month to, to maintain proficiency. Just so happened that I needed a few more just to maintain the same thing. And we were all getting cut short on hours. So instead, as everybody else was a little below their line, I just kept getting worse and worse. I hate doing that. And that makes me dangerous. So I made a conscious decision to leave aviation to become an information operations guy. Um, and that decision by itself is actually what helped keep me in the army because when we deployed, all of this happened uh, within a, a month or so of being there. When I came back and they did a heart surgery, uh, did a brain surgery and several other things are like, Hey, you're going to have to get out of the army. You can't fly. And I'm like, I don't have to fly. This paper says that I'm no longer an aviator. I'm an information operations guy. Oh, and that was able to give me some footing to be able to stay in. Um, I had what I call a sympathetic jury for my medical evaluation board. And uh -huh. my branch manager at the time wrote a memorandum uh, advocating that, hey, we need him and his skill set to keep me in. And that that is what allowed me to do another 12 years uh, and retire. Wow, that's good. Well, that's well. At least I got to keep you. Got to keep in and 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 do what you love. Obviously, you loved it, or you wouldn't have stayed in. So, it it had its moments. Uh, the the thing I loved is the people and have building the relationships with folks. Um, life's about relationships and stories, and I got to get a little bit of both in all of those. So, when you got it, did you earn your PhD? Let's talk about your PhD. What, how that came about? Did you earn that in in service, or is that something you did on the outside? And in um, PhD in what? What did you go? What did you go after? So uh, the answer in order is yes, sort of, kinda, and business management. Now we'll go back. Uh, when <laughs> I after I had had all this done, and I I was a major, getting ready. At, wanting to get promoted to lieutenant colonel, 
somebody put in my head, well, you need to have a master's degree to, you know, to get promoted or greatly increases your chances. So I found a master's degree program that I uh, participated in, got my master's in organizational leadership, found that uh, I really, really liked understanding the theory of uh, interpersonal relationships, interpersonal uh, relational leadership styles, and decided, hmm, let's see how deep this rabbit hole goes, uh, and proceeded to become, uh, started a PhD program while still, uh, still a major and still in. A lot of guys in the Army, a lot of officers get the opportunity to get selected for a program, and the Army pays for it, and the Army uh, does the same thing for their masters, um, for certain, for some folks. I did not have that opportunity. I did my master's degree while working a full-time active duty job, you know, anywhere between 10 to 12 hour days on the regular and then coming home, sometimes doing it night shift and having to do my homework in the morning before I left. Um, did that and my PhD all while on active duty working a normal job. Um, and so did it in service, but not through the service. So I did it outside of the service on my own time while in service. And it is in uh, master's was from Brandman University in Irvine, which is now University of Massachusetts global campus. And the PhD mm -hmm. was through Capella University, uh, which is also online. And it's in business management, emphasis and leadership. Did my dissertation on a uh, relational leadership model. Model, not model. <laughs> So what? So where where was your thought process on your leadership in business? Is this what you wanted to focus on when you came out of of the uh, of the army? Did you? Is this where you wanted to focus? Because you went to lieutenant colonel too, which is you know that's nothing to shake a stick at either. But uh, um, the, honestly, about six months into my PhD studies, I was told by a different branch manager that you're never going to get promoted. You probably ought to try to retire medically because you're not going to, you're not going to make it. Um, and that got into my head enough that I did the math and said, ah, I'm going to be able to stay at least because I had that enlisted time and things. I'm going to be able to stay in long enough to retire. If I'm going to retire as a major, I'm going to have a doctorate in leadership because you say that I don't know enough about leadership to become, you know, to get promoted. I'm going to get a doctorate in that. And then I'm going to come back and be your boss as a civilian. Um, and then yeah, about three quarters of the way through, I ended up getting picked up for Lieutenant Colonel on uh, one of my later looks I'm like, Oh, well, 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 that, that, that motivation didn't work. I guess now I've got to figure out what to do with this. Uh, and I, I've loved the, uh, there's six human needs that we all have. Uh, Tony Robbins talks about them. Uh, my driving needs are growth and contribution. I always need that next thing. I want to know more. I want to dig deeper. I want to get after it. I want to connect those dots. And going after a PhD just helped me work that. Um, the question as I was getting ready to retire is, all right, now you've got a doctorate. What the heck are you going to do with it? And I looked for opportunities to to be able to apply that. It honestly hasn't helped, didn't help in my uh, job search after the army. But what I did find uh, afterwards, I was, I was on Facebook looking, uh, just doom scrolling or whatever. And I saw an ad going, do you want to be paid to speak? You want to become a professional speaker? I'm like, uh-huh. I've always loved being on a stage. 
and I clicked it and it was an ad for John Maxwell's, uh, John Maxwell team, Maxwell Leadership now. And I got involved with that, uh, enrolled for, uh, it's a certain amount of money to go to the International Maxwell Conference to become certified as a Maxwell Leadership coach, trainer, and speaker. Um, I spread that out over a year, made yearly payments, was on the online platform, taken into classes, absorbing everything I could, went to the IMC. And uh, I didn't learn anything at that conference that I didn't already know going in, except for one thing. I learned that I wanted to coach and speak for a living. I wanted to do that. And if I could, if I could do that instead of a nine to five, then I would. Uh, and it, it, when given the opportunity to teach martial arts alongside of it, uh, I'm, I have several curriculums that I'm kind of combining for all of that together. Uh, I, I jumped on it. And when retirement started coming, I'm like, well, I guess I need to get a nine to five as well. My wife looked at what would be making in retirement and what I'm making in uh, would be getting from VA and looked at our bills and went, we're covered. You really don't need to get a nine to five. You can focus full time on coaching and speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is 100 percent because my wife is an amazing angel and is able to do and handles all those things uh, for us. So uh, she set me up to be able to do that. Yeah, that's that's an awesome story. Because I'm sure that you get – tell me about the John Maxwell thing. I, you're the second person that I know that's gone through that. Did it help you? Was it – Was it? Would, would that be the avenue that you would go again? What What was the positive and the negatives of it? Um, that's a fantastic question. Uh, the positives? The, the, course, the coursework it actually has uh, as you go through – if you want to, you want to be a speaker. There's a whole bunch of videos and modules for learning how to be a public speaker, uh, speaking tips, and a, uh, a guy named Roddy, who's he's funny, he's easy to learn from, he's uh, just breaks things down, communicates it amazingly, fantastic guy to learn from, and he learns learn from studying John Maxwell and just watching him and going, hey, you've done this and this and this, and takes notes, and he can teach what John Maxwell does. Um, there's also a coaching block that if you want to focus on coaching, you can do that. And there's a uh, international Valerie Burton, International Coaching Federation certified uh, multi, uh, multi-book author. And she talks through every aspect of personal coaching, uh, personal performance coaching. The, you need to set from all the way from setting the, the tone in yourself to maintaining focus in the session, to keeping notes, to even running the business side of it. And there's all of that. And then there's a block for, hey, you want to do a business? Here's how you get this started. And if you want to do all of it, if you have time, you can follow all of that. When you join the team, you have access to all of that forever. And you Mm. also, as a speaker uh, or trainer, as a team member, you get access to a whole bunch of pre-prepared curriculum. They've already got the slides. They got the notes. They got the books. All you really got to do is just go and send it. And it's plug and play. Um, that's all the good stuff. Oh, and when I went to the IMC, it was the most positive set of experiences I've had that I can remember. Um, every day, it was just energizing. 1,500, 2,000 people in a room. And I'm more of an introvert. And I woke up every morning 
actually energized wanting to go back to that. Uh, very, very addicting. The dark side of it, the negative side of it, the, uh, the minuses, I won't even say dark or negative, but the minuses, it is a business. People got to make money and helping other people with their businesses seems to be big business. And it felt like there were so many opportunities like, hey, you want to come to this? Come join this program. If you want to be successful, sign up for this and we'll give you this, 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 and this. And it's only, and it's a lot more money than I had available at the time. Like, oh, if I want to be successful, I got to do that. I can't afford that. I guess I, I'm going to have to figure it out. And then you'd move to the next thing and go, oh, here's a set of tools. It's fantastic. This is going to automate all of these things. You're going to be doing it. I'm like, yes. And it's only going to cost this much money. And I'm like, no, I don't have that much money. Um, so it felt like a series of upsells. What that did, though, for me was help me prioritize. All right, if I'm going to do this, I need to prepare myself ahead of time. Like the one thing, mentorship is a program and it costs X amount of money. But if you want to sign up for mentorship, you get all these resources. I didn't know how to do what I was doing in the first place. So if I would have paid that money, it would have been useless to me. I wouldn't have known where to start. After about a year or so, I'm, I'm in a much better position to be able to go, here's where I know I need help. It's better to be able to know yourself and know the questions to ask before starting something like that. So I learned that. And I can help people with it. The other piece was knowing that it was, you know, this cost this, this cost this. That helped me uh, shake out the cobwebs of planning and going, all right, by this quarter, if I'm doing these things and making this much, that'll be my first priority. And I'm going to work towards making that so I can then build synergy. So that helped me be a better planner of my business as well. So when you're, when you're talking about that, did you, when, so did, was there certain upgrades that you felt that – so you're working through the business and then you saw, you feel that there's certain upgrades that you had that you said, okay, I'm going to work towards this to be able to invest myself in this. Is that what you – is that – am I understanding that, what you're saying there? That was the – that is the plan as it went. And the – I paid this. I now have this for life. The next step is, for example, 2500 bucks. Don't have that. And it's that plus so much a year. I know that I need to make sure that I'm bringing in this much plus that in order to reasonably invest that into the plan. Otherwise, it's just coming out of my pocket and coming out of savings. And if I'm not ready for it, then it's yeah, then it just ends up being spending money. This is really good, really good advice, AC, because this is where, you know, based on where I'm at in life, this is where I'm going next as far as what I'm doing. You know what I mean? As far as what, what can I take from the mat? You know, I wrote the book beyond the mat and these are lessons that I, that I took building a martial arts school that is profitable and helping other people build martial arts schools that are profitable. It's just something I can, I can help with. I know how to do that. And then the lessons really, when it comes down to being a, a competitor of the years that I comp uh, competed heavily, what it, what it was, to deal with other people's lives and how, you know, martial arts is just so much more than just punching and kicking so much. I mean, punching and kicking is the easy thing. Yeah. I'm, you know, if you, you've been in martial arts for a long time, you know that you're more of a counselor than you are a martial arts instructor. Absolutely. Right. Breaking through fear, breaking through uh, trauma, breaking through all the stuff that, that, 
that holds you back in, in, in life is what a martial arts and a good martial arts instructor is going to do. It's going to force you to go past your, your fear. And if, if you can get past it, you're going to come out the other side, just a different, a bit different person. Absolutely. So yeah. there, there is definitely that. And so this is my next thing, right? Is, is where I want to get on stages. So this is where I'm at. I'm investing in this right now myself. I find myself in the same thing. Where is the return of investment? Where do I stop work on this? And where, so I can actually have a return on investment in order to go to the next level. So it's interesting that you, how you brought that up and how you, how you evaluated yourself on this is where I'm at. And so you just kind of slowly built the ladder to where you're at. If I'm understanding you correctly. That is correct. And I'm, and being perfectly honest, I'm still down on a few of the, yeah, a few of those rungs because it wasn't until I'm fully retired from the army that, yeah, that time and opportunity is freed up to be able to do these things, which, yeah, to build the, uh, to build the necessary levels to make use of it. Um, right now I'm slowly, yeah, slowly working on building my coaching client base, uh, working on building my getting my calendar filled with gigs for teaching, uh, teaching leadership principles, teaching leadership methods, uh, doing workshops with various locations. And as I'm building that and having the opportunity just to spend time with you know, awesome folks like you and doing this, finding stages. And it's, it's starting to build. And I was told a long time ago, if you're digging, if you're a, uh, a miner, a gold, uh, gold miner, you got to know that that diamond, those gold, it's just a, just a few feet down. You just got to keep on digging, keep on digging. That's right. I, yeah, I say this often. Most people quit right before they win. Yep. So that's definitely, that's definitely something that, that I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent with this. So tell me about your, what is your coaching? You, you have a name for your, let's go in there. Let's, let's get on that. Go ahead and give your name. I, was, I, I forgot to I, do this on your nope, on your resume. I, I don't have to hold up. There's there's two different uh, two different pieces. There's mine, Wiley Leadership Solutions, which is my uh, I call it a research leadership research and development LLC, and that's where I'm spending my time. That's what I'm speaking out of. That's where I'm developing curriculum for training. That's where I'm putting uh, putting together various tools for coaching. And both the training and the coaching then get implemented in another company that I'm involved with that uh, just recently joined a couple months ago, Kite and Key Solutions. Um, kite and, uh, uh, since we're talking martial arts, it's not Kaiten. Uh, think Benjamin Franklin with a kite and a key. Mm -hmm. uh, kite and Key Solutions, LLC. And they provide business solutions, business planning, uh, executive coaching, and we're getting ready to start uh, not just in-person training, but starting to put together some online curriculum that people can go in and subscribe to and start getting education, uh, leadership education that way as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so that is one way that I'm, uh, th those are two ways actually that I'm getting after it. So are you, are you, are you going uh, on stages? Are are you, are you on stages right now as keynote or anything like that? Where, um, where are you getting your gigs, gig salad, where, uh, anything like that? Honestly, this is the kind of gig that I'm getting right now on, 
been sitting in on a few podcasts, fantastic mm-hmm. uh, opportunity. However, still, uh, still digging for those, uh, those stages. So I think and agree. I think we're all, we're all kind of digging for those stages, right. And where that is in, in the coaching world or in, do you not find though, well, you've got two things going for you, right? Being a Lieutenant Colonel, having a PhD, but in martial artists has always moves people. It's so funny when, if I can, if, if I go and speak anywhere and I, I can go find a Home Depot and get some bricks <laughs> and I smash some stuff, people are so intrigued by it that they just, you know, like I was mesmerized by that also. So in my world, in my, in my world, when I talk to people, I I've asked myself, how do I take my martial arts beyond the mat to help somebody else with leadership? Because business is business. Leadership is leadership, whether you're going to plug into the martial arts or whatever, because most martial arts schools fail and they fail because they don't understand business. Just like myself, six months into me opening, I was like, wow, if I don't find a coach, I'm going under. Mm-hmm. And I went I went looking and I found a mentor that completely changed my life, you know, in, in as far as martial arts go, because he taught me this is the business. These are the, uh, re- you know, avenues of revenue. Are you here, here and here? Do you have your upgrades the way they need to be? Are you teaching great classes? Do you have a staff development so you can duplicate yourself? All the stuff that's in leadership, all the stuff that's in business, correct? So I went looking for for that mentor and coach. When you decided to go, when you you have something unique as far as in martial arts go and, and where you have what stages, who is your, who do you look for? Are you looking for people struggling in business? Are you looking for people struggling in life or both? What, what is it you like to coach? What is your niche? What do you like so to do? My, I say that my primary niche is leaders who are looking for a breakthrough with either people, processes, or perspective. Because uh, mm-hmm. I, I work mainly through a relational, uh, relational leadership model, but one of the things that I've uh, always been able to do and I, I enjoy very much is seeing those connections, connecting those dots that some people may not be able to, uh, to relate, and then taking something from here and then applying the exact same principles over here. That's one of the things I love about Kenpo. Uh, Grandmaster Ed Parker did some amazing things by you know, so many books, so much technical uh, breaking down so it can be communicated to anybody. And so many of those basic principles can be translated almost word for word. And instead of talking about you know, breaking somebody's ribs, you're talking about influencing them to a direction. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. one of the things I love. Uh, an example, uh, relative motion or relative position. Whenever you're moving through a technique, through something, uh, we always, there's always this method of he throws a punch and I'm here. I'm now on the outside of that punch. We're, you know, we're talking relative position. And we engage there. Well, when we apply that to a leadership perspective, you have to throw your punch from where you're at. You have to throw your kick from where you're at, which means that you either have to position yourself ahead of time or reposition yourself in order to engage and influence. And that particular set of influences, that is a, uh, there's techniques to that different techniques of relational influence. And some people find it intuitive. There's some people that are just a better counterpuncher than others. And some people need to be taught. And then there's people in the middle. Interesting. That's, it's a great take 
on using the martial arts because I, I talk about this in business also when I get on stage if I if I'm talking. In a fight, you have whether you're on the ground or where you're standing. I tell them all this. I said a fighter has this to look at. If you need to change what you're doing, you need to you have some you have some avenues, right? You change distance, you change levels, you change angles. It's no different in business. Exactly. Right. And if you're going this way and the angles kind of the punch is coming this way, you're going to have to change angles. Maybe you need to you maybe you need to draw back a little bit, you know, your distance. Maybe that's not, you know, maybe that's not your lane. Right. The, right. So stay, staying in your spot. Yeah. This is where I'm best. So if he wants to grapple and I don't, I don't fight where he fights. If that is where his business is operating. I stay out of his niche because his niche isn't my niche. If I try to get in there, I'm going to fail every time. Yes, it's awesome. It's a, yeah, it's awesome. I I really feel that the martial arts has a correlation with with business with leadership, and I think people are so mesmerized by a black belt anyway mm -hmm. that you know. And I and I'm a lot like you. I'm one of those uh, outrovert introverts. I'm an introvert when I'm on stage. I'm kind of an introvert when I'm in the crowd. You're you're on the Myers Briggs. You're an I, but you're right on the border, so That's you can correct. you can reach over that line if you want. That's it. Correct. You know how it is. You know we just you know I kind of uh, kick back and I observe when I'm in the big group. If I get on stage, I'll I'll do my thing and and stuff like that. So I I, I feel that that's that's just one of those. I know, a lot of military, a lot of cops are kind of like that anyway. You know what I mean? They'll they'll be a, a big introvert, but you know they're kind of they're you know they got eyes. Gregarious introverts. That's correct. that's a good way to put it. Absolutely, a hundred percent. So today, you know, you're going to be able to take this podcast now. This is going to be something that you have, and we can we can talk about. So I want to make sure that we we really kind of plug what you're looking for and how it can help somebody else. So let's let's talk about where. We, we know that you've you've come from this loving family that had foster care. Your parents put you in martial arts as a young man. You've directed yourself to be in go to the military, but you wanted to be a leader there, too. So obviously, leadership is something that's kind of born in, in your blood. Correct. Then you go off, you fight war, you come back and you fight disease. And now you're here and you're going to be able to coach other people through, obviously, mindset you have to have a mindset in order to fight. Yep. That's just there's just no other way around it. Either you're either going to show up and be a hundred percent. You know, I tell everybody that too. If you're in the room today, show up and be in the room a hundred percent. If you're going to be in here ninety percent, you might as well not even be in here. So you know, stay focused on what you're doing. So you got to have focus. Then you have to have discipline. You got to be disciplined to stay focused. <laughs> they work side by side. Yeah. So tell me, let your business, who you're looking for, who you can help. So you can direct them to be a more positive influence, either in a their business, maybe their relationships or their life. So let's go. Let's 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 start dabbling into what what you're after and so, make it happen. <clears throat> the big groups that I've I've seen that I have my uh, experience with is uh, military and former military or law enforcement, um, college students, people in transition, other lobsters, as it were. Uh, mm -hmm. When people are going from married to divorced, going from high school to college or high school to the workforce, people are going from college to
to workforce, college to other college. When people are at that in-between phase that something just ended, but something new hasn't started yet, and there's so much coming at them, I can work with people to make sense of that and to find that direction. Or even if they're in an established thing, but there's they're, they're in their job. They've been in their job for 15 years, but there's a promotion coming up or they just, they've lost the love for it. There's something, if, if you don't want to take it to the next level, then it's fine. Stay where you're at. I want to work with folks to take them through those breakthroughs so that they can actually enjoy more. Um, just finding something in life to, that little spark. And sometimes it's in transition. Sometimes it's, yeah. They're stuck in a pattern. Um, self, I, I said leaders, they're looking for those breakthroughs. And if you're not in charge of people, you're still leading yourself. If you wouldn't follow you, why would anybody else? So, yeah. Excellent point. Excellent point, AC. That is a excellent point, right? If you're not going to, yeah, you can't follow yourself. Who, who else is, you know, you're, you're going to be looking forward, not not who's, who's coming alongside you. You know what I mean? So that's right. definitely... Uh, that's definitely a hundred percent for sure. When, when somebody is, so I want to make sure that we have all your contact information out there because I want to make sure that people can, when they're looking for coaching, I, I'm going to, I'm going to re. I want to bring this to the light one more time. When, when you are down and if you think that you can do things by yourself, I am here to tell everybody if I did not find a coach, if I did not find a coach, I would have crashed and burned in my martial in my dream of my martial arts school. And I had to find that I had to find the coach that was successful in a business in what I do, and that he's been doing it for a while, and that that he's got a track record. So that's what I did. And I'm telling you, he completely changed my life. When I went down there and I was I was so blown away by I don't do any of this stuff, man. When he told me, I remember one thing he told me, we sat in his office and this is it. He said, if you get an airplane ticket to me, I will put you up in my house. And this is a guy that doesn't even know me. I'll put you up in my house and you'll be with me for a solid week. You just need to, you need to pay for your plane ticket down. And that was hard scraping that together. Yeah. And so I did that. And I'll never forget when he says there, he goes, this building that you're in, I own this building. So he owned his martial arts building. And he goes, and owning this martial arts building is what I paid cash in the equity for my home that I live in that we were at. And I'm thinking to myself, he goes, so I took an equity loan out on this and paid my house off. So it's now a business write-off because I'm paying off an equity loan on my business. And I was so blown away just by the simple concept of nobody has ever taught me anything remotely close to how that is, what that is. And then different avenues of revenue inside a martial arts school, right? Everybody just thinks, you know, you pay a monthly fee and, you know, you've been in martial arts schools. You know that if you know how how poorly martial arts school owners run their business, you get yeah, they suck. You can, you can get through your through your monthly fees, through your club fees, through your pro shop, pro shop, big deal uh, through <laughs> any, any number of things, seminars, events, everything. So, and so you learned uh, business is business, but I find it, I don't know if you find this as much as I do being in the martial arts and being a teacher for as long as I have, 
people's insecurities are right here. I, I say your biggest enemy is looking at you in the mirror every single morning. You self-doubt so much that you can't, you're not going to make it. If I, if I was told when I owned a martial arts school, I wouldn't make it. I was told I couldn't do it. Even by instructors, I was told same thing. You know, you don't have what it takes. And a lot like you, I had that same mindset. Well, as soon as you tell me that now I'm going to have one and you're going to come to me for advice one day and I'm going to have a lot of black belts. And so that's, that's, that's actually, what that's happened. actually one of, one of Fred's, uh, my, my instructor's favorite stories is the first time I walked into that school, be like, yeah, he walked in. All he, yeah, I could tell all he did is just, is a drama kid and played drums. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He's going to, he'll quit in the first week. And <laughs> yeah, I am now one of, uh, one of a handful of people that have received a coral belt from him. So yeah, that's all. Coral belt, man. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. I, I talk, I talk to people about that all the time. Also, I don't talk too much about my rank. You know what I mean? Cause it sounds so like yeah. whacked, right? You're an eight degree black belt. It seems like you're, I said, you want to know what eight degree black belt means? It means I'm finally good at first degree black belt material. Okay. <laughs> Is what it means. And I'm finally made it to where I can do my first degree black belt material. Really, really good. There's no magic pill. There's no magic, you know, aura around me that I can, you know, bullets bounce off me because uh, I have a high rank. So it's the, I've I've told people in the past, and even within uh, within the IKCA, I feel that I'm well way overranked. But I'm reminded one rank is between your instructor and you, and yeah, nobody else. And two, the rank is represents the things that I'm willing to do and that I do for the organization. Not, uh, again, don't let it, yeah, don't get wrapped around it and don't, you know, That's it, it's somewhere in the middle. It, it's a thing. That's why I, I'm, I'm still AC. It's, it's, that's what it is. Yeah, that's good. This has been, uh, really, really, uh, really good. I, I think that you're going to do well in your, in the coaching. If somebody's looking for a coach, I cannot tell you that as somebody from the military and the martial arts background, it's, it's just two things. But now when I say military, I'm talking about a leader in the military, not just a grunt. You know, you being able to lead men and, and, and lead yourself is two things that, you know, that you need to have in order to lead the next the next generation. And this is a hard generation. Uh, I'm a little older than you, obviously. Uh, you know, I'm 62 now, so I'm looking now at just. I'm having millennial parents come in now and it is definitely a different breed because they're, they're trying to figure this thing out too on why, you know, why are my kids this way or why are they this? And so it takes a lot for a parent to bring their kids into a martial arts school and get the right coaching. So if there's anybody out there, you need a right coach. If he, if he's a fit, if, if AC is a fit, then then go, go seek him out. If you're looking for coaching, you got to find the right coach, and the right coach has to be. So jujitsu is what I'm doing now. Believe it or not, I'm still on the, on the ground rolling around with these kids, man, getting after it on, on a daily. So I, I'm lucky that way. Now, I was a lot like you, I had blood clots a few years ago. And so it took my – you know, we didn't get to talk about some of that other medical stuff, that, but it took away from me being able to fight anymore because I couldn't take head contact. And that's what I did, and that's what I loved. But then jujitsu came around, and our instructor, he too is a ranger, 
you know, uh, multiple, multiple tours in Iraq and he lost 11 men mm. and in, when he was in Iraq on a helicopter. And so, but he has this, you know, he has this warrior mindset. He's a cop here in El Monte now, but he was the right fit for us. He was the right fit for me. He was the right coach for me. That's what got me, brought me in. Cause he's got the same mindset we have and this warrior's mindset. So it's been a blessing to have him for sure. So that's what I mean by right coaching. So why don't we do this, AC? I'm going to let you have the have the mic on this last minute. Talk about what you what where to where to find you, and what you can do for somebody else. And I'm going to I'm going to leave that in your hands. Go ahead, sir. I appreciate that. So there's a couple places you can find me if you just want to listen to me talk and give a little bit of something, whatever I'm going through during the day. Go to TikTok, AC Wiley WLS. That's on there. And I'm on there on a regular basis, just sharing my observations for the day, really. And a lot of times it's stuff I'm working through myself. So you can join me on that journey. Um, If you're looking for some executive coaching, either relational coaching, business coaching, we actually have the team at kiteandkeysolutions.com. It's one word, kiteandkeysolutions.com. You can go there, click on the contact us and go, hey, I want to talk to somebody about this. And then we'll get in touch with you. And if I'm the fit, then I get to help you and we get to spend some time together. If I'm not, then we can get you somebody that uh, that does help. We've got a wide variety of folks on there. Um, I'm on Facebook as well. If you look up uh, Wiley Leadership Solutions, I'm on there or Christopher A.C. Wiley, Ph.D. I've got that page that I'm talking on. Um, and that's really the big, big places you can find me. I'm also... Every month doing the, uh, actually, it's going to be quarterly now with the International Karate Connection Association, ikcakenpo.com. Go on there. You can look for a distance learning instructor. You could request me if you want or look for there and just ask. You can find plenty of opportunities on there. We're doing live stuff uh, every month or every quarter called a Digicon. Fantastic opportunity as well. So those are uh, all different places and venues that we can hang out and spend some time together. Just awesome. It's been a great hour. So I'll tell you what, we're going to we'll end prod, uh, broadcast here, but just hold the phone here before you dial out. I'm going to do our outro, and then I'll speak with you just for a second before we before we end. Sound good? Yes, sir. It's really, thanks for the hour, AC. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. You've been listening to Real Talk with Mark Cox. Real life, real topics, real conversation. We're passionate about motivation, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, and coming at it from a real angle. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at MarkCox100. Make sure to subscribe and review. And tell a friend or two about the show. For more, hit up the website at markcox.com. Till next time, keep it real.